sci-fi melody. So Rage, what horrible transformation do we have to endure this week? Geez, nice assumption there. Don't you normally ask about the movie we're watching? Well, considering the last few weeks? Okay, fine, fine. Here, look at my neck and hands. Wait, are those gills? And webbed hands? Yep. I'm becoming a fishman or shoggoth or whatever. Uh, okay, so how on earth did this one happen? Well, after getting disgustingly evolved, uh, followed by a death and horrible reanimation, I tried my hand at transforming myself through this uh, esoteric order cult of Dagon. Wait, wait, a cult? Yeah, aren't you anti-cult? Hey, look, I got low. Being in a vulnerable point, I found the esoteric order of Dagon, and the people said he transforms you to your best self. Unfortunately, they didn't mention that this means becoming a fish person, so yeah. Okay, so now what are you going to do? Well, unless this is reversed, I'm going to wind up forever in the oceanic depths of paradise. Sounds not bad? Uh, That's kind of how I'm trying to see it. In the meantime, how about we go over our new god Dagon in the 2001 Stuart Gordon film Dagon? Ah, man, him again? Oh, I I guess. Let's do it. I feel sorry for your wife having to do all these transformations. Yeah. Sci-fi Maldi's... Wait! Our god? Sci-fi Maldi, symptom 263. Dagon, again with the boobs. Welcome back, sickies, and yes, indeedly, doodly, again with the boobs, and again with Stuart Gordon, which I, well... Five minutes! You didn't even make it five minutes this time. Programming note, based on the recent run of movies, we're changing the name of this podcast to Soft Cormality. (laughs) Hey, now, you know what? I knew you guys were going to do this, so let me bring us back to the very first horror month and mention two films (laughs) put forward by Scott. (laughs) I knew this was coming. I knew this was was coming. Jason X (laughs) with boobs. Plenty of them. Far more than in this movie. (laughs) And... Then we got uh, uh, Event Horizon, <laughs> where we got a Playboy centerfold used to demonstrate wormholes. Uh, I'm sure there were boobs in there. Plus, in the original version of the film, it was considered so graphic that the film, the particular scene, which involved porn stars, by the way, was removed and never again seen. You're ruining so, the bit, Rage. You're ruining the bit. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to say to my... I'm just trying to say to all the sickies and the Scots, in all fairness, it's not like Scott has never recommended anything like this either. No, that's, that's, that's very fair. Uh, and you're watching horror movies. We're going to talk about that more later on in the podcast. It's almost impossible to watch a classic slasher horror film like Phantasm, pretty sure I recommended Phantasm one year. You did, and Phantasm has got its scene of boobs. Um, In- incidentally, the Phantasm was definitely your suggestion. Oh yes, it was, because that's a great movie. <laughs> Tall man, boy, Angus Scrim. So yeah, boobs are pretty uh, commonplace in horror films. We might have to do like an actual fantastic horror films. Horror. <laughs> One could be forgiven for misunderstanding, but nonetheless, we are continuing on with Lovecraft Month. And this film, this month is the 2001 film Dagon by Stuart Gordon. Again, uh, I kind of half promise that this is the last Stuart Gordon film we'll be doing this month, but I say half promise because I'm not sure. Nonetheless, This film is actually, to quote Thomas, the most watchable, although 
anyway. Um, so, anyway? Yeah. I, I'm trying to see the lighter side of this. You have uh, a guy named Paul and his girlfriend are on a boat off the coast of Spain. And apparently Paul made a lot of money in uh, the stocks in marketing what wound up becoming a stock. And this is kind of dipping into fun facts. The name of the company was .com. Yep. That unoriginal. Stuart Gordon does not know how the internet works. That Even was, I mean, then. yeah. He yeah. made money on dot .com. Dot com. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Oh, oh, you made a bunch of money in stocks. Would you invest in dot .com? But what dot .com? Yep. Hollywood, Hollywood still struggles when it comes to computer tech. Like, I think sometimes... Wait, wait, wait. Hacking doesn't just include all this weird clicking and clacking and you suddenly yeah. in? Typing and click on the clicky thing and you're in in 30 seconds to the Pentagon and you can control sewer pipes in Toledo? Right. Okay, I'm hacking. Alright, I'm at the Pentagon. Asking for... Uh, they're backtracing you. Alright, clearing my trace. Switching servers. Alright, into the Pentagon. Hack. POTUS 1. Q is real. All right. Shut down power grid east coast. Execute. No, it, I mean, yeah. They, you know, the worst I ever saw was in, um, was in Arrow where Felicity or whatever her name was had to hack into some company and in 20 seconds, maybe 20 seconds, she's like, okay, I did it. What? What? You do know real hacking is a lot of trial and error and coding and getting an error message and going, what the? And then having to Google that because you don't know what it means. And yeah, Star Trek had some really bad ones in Voyager where they're like, I'm trying to gain access to their mainframe. It's password encrypted. I'm applying a recursive fractal algorithm and I've passed the encryption. I have control of their systems. What recursive fractal algorithm did you did you apply to Vok on the fly? Uh, but uh, Hollywood and TV just do not seem to understand how hacking works. They, I, it's fine. They don't want to learn programming languages. I get it. They don't want to learn any of this they stuff. Don't, but but they, they don't understand computers. Period. They're, they're the not internet. even trying. Well, to be fair, Hollywood Hollywood doesn't understand real life. I always love the movie that settles around the uh, the the struggling single parent who's you know working two jobs just to make ends meet in their in their Mansion. six bedroom six yeah. bedroom four bathroom house driving an Audi. <clears throat> that that's not how it works, Hollywood. I know you think an Audi is a poor person's car, but that's not <laughs> how it works. Well, I'm I, struggling on my paycheck and I only have a Ferrari. Oh, so I guess an Audi would be a poor person's car. I'm thinking of Zatura when they're in that really nice giant house and the dad is like, I'm sorry for moving this house, us to this terrible this place. Is, is a dreary place. We're still fixing it. Still fixing it. What's your definition of still fixing? Right. You mean you, mean you haven't hung all the pictures yet? <laughs> No, we're going to get rid of this classic turn-of-the-century architecture and just uh, slap some drywall over it. I guess so. But anyway, moving on. So, Paul makes all this money, and then they're enjoying their time, and then his girlfriend throws his laptop in the ocean. You know what? We're going to get into that. That was a rip. Um, but then a storm kicks up as they hear some chanting from the village nearby. And the boat gets crashed on some rocks, and Paul and his girlfriend have to go to the village to find some help. They get it, and they find from a local priest who sends a boat out to save Paul's uh, partner and financier Howard and his wife. But they notice that the priest has like weird webbing hands, and the girlfriend goes to a ho gets sent to a hotel while Paul is out trying to save his buddy Howard, and. She gets kidnapped by a guy, and then Paul comes back and tries to find his girlfriend, and the whole film revolves around him trying to find her and discovering that he's in a town full of, well, fish people who are praying to Dagon, and he's having reoccurring nightmares and visions of some woman, 
and eventually he discovers that the Howard and his wife are have their faces carved off and that his girlfriend is being held captive by this cult and that this cult is run by a priestess named Uxia, which happens to be the woman he's been dreaming about, and she is waiting for him. Because, it turns out, she is his half-sister? Yeah, this, lover? Is, where, this is where it gets disgusting. Yeah, thank you. Did George R.R. R. Martin and uh, George Lucas consult on this? So no 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 was, the male lead's love the, interest no. has to be related to him. Well <laughs> somehow I think they got Freud involved at some point. Yeah, because what happened was Paul's dad goes to the US and gets a hot woman apparently to go back to Spain and mate with him. And the child is somehow Uxia's they share a father. You know what? It's hard to figure out. The, the weird part is that Uxia is also half fish person. And they try to, Barbara, Paul's girlfriend, they try to sacrifice her to the god Dagon. Because it turns out, and Paul runs into a homeless guy who is allowed to stay oak non-fish man because he's nuts. Because he grew up in the village and remembers what it was like before the cult of Dagon arrived. They had a lot of problems. And this guy showed up back in the the village from the Pacific and he says I found a god that'll give us what we want and they prayed to Dagon and he and a few others and all of a sudden the fishing village had fish and gold from the sea and so the whole village decided to trash the local church and make it a temple to Dagon and I got a problem with that one by the way what's that yay we have gold except no one leaves the town yeah, right. So yeah, what's the purpose of gold if you can't go spend it? Yeah, I don't know what the... The fish weren't enough, I guess. So... What's the... I mean, I guess you eat the fish, but I mean, like... Uh, yeah, there's there's massive problems with, with what's going on here. Yeah. With, which is well, the whole especially concept here. Given that the whole town just switches over and... Oh, but this kid is left alone. And he becomes this homeless man. Well, eventually the homeless man and Paul get captured. How crazy and drunk are you if the cult doesn't want you? (laughs) (laughs) That would be like QAnon saying, you're too unstable to join. (laughs) You're too crazy for Dagon, man. (laughs) Maybe the alcohol is a defense. Yeah. (laughs) There's more alcohol in your blood than blood. Dagon rejects the sacrifice. I'm telling you, nation, this person wanted to be part of the nation, but he's just too crazy. Too crazy for us. He <laughs> we need people who are sane and actually believe in the fictitious conspiracy theories. But I can't go this far, man. I've got, I've got a supplement that comes from supernovas and blueberries. But this person, way too far out there. I wouldn't let him yeah. in. He's too much for me. So, Paul finds out he's the descendant of this priest. And, um... They sacrifice Barbara to Dagon. Oh, they also cut the face off the homeless man. That was an interesting scene. Because they wear, <sighs> for some reason, the uh, fish people need to wear human masks because horror movie. And uh, in the end, Paul realizes, oh, this is who I am. Goodbye. And he tries to light himself on fire. But Uxia, the high priestess, knocks him into the water and. They swim into the depths, and Paul realizes he has gills, and it ends there. This film, I will say, is loosely based off of the H.P. Lovecraft story Shadow Over Innsmouth. Very, very loosely. You'll be impressed, Rage. I read... I read the short story. Well, I skimmed through the back half of it, but I read... Yes, I have the H.P. Lovecraft collection. I took the time to read this this novella. Okay, well, then- let me translate Mark's remark. Mark, oh, you can read. <laughs> no, I'm just surprised you would have read that. No, like but- you put effort into the podcast this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this one, a guy from Toledo, Ohio, is sent to Innsmouth, uh, Massachusetts. Because he has to uh, investigate the town of Innsmouth 
and he basically learns about the whole cult of of um and it's basically replacing Boca, Spain for Innsmouth, Massachusetts, but remove Uxia, the priestess, and have it so that the guy realizes what happens is people who are born of the, the descendants of the cultists eventually become fish people and dive into the water. And at the end of the film, at the end of the story, the main character goes back to Toledo and discovers that he's becoming a fish person. And he thinks about killing himself, but then he winds up going to get his brother out of a, an asylum who also is becoming a fish person. And they decide to go into the depths with the rest of the others to get the Shoggoth to invade Earth to, for the grand cult of Dagon and Cthulhu. You know, it's different, but. Yeah, there's no, there's no flaying. There's no. Oh yeah, there's no boobs. There's no, no boobs. incest. There's no boobs. There's no flaying. There's no uh, torture and rape. And there is, however, a submarine that launches torpedoes at the town to sink part of it. Yeah. So I just, I, I just want to know how this this uh, concept meeting goes. We have this novella written by an asexual man who really never had any interest in this stuff. What should we do with it? Well, let's strip out all but the core elements of the story and replace it with everything I just mentioned a few seconds ago. Let's also stick it not where it was originally. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, let's let's move it to Spain for some reason. Why? Ah, so we can have a foreign language. But aren't they also going to be speaking in fish also? Yes. So we'll Uh, have foreign language and fish. Basically. What else? What else can we do to completely insult H.P. Lovecraft? Yeah, you know, I I don't know what they were thinking when they did. Because also, well, let's also get rid of the Cthulhu completely. Yeah, and let's add the face cutting, which was definitely not in there. So I I don't know, but uh, let's get into these fun facts because we really want to get into the rips and picks so on to our favoriteest segment in the whole wide world fun facts uh so paul's shirt says miskatonic you know hopefully you saw that mm-hmm. yep i caught it so, this week arkham and miskatonic was in there yep yep Imboka is actually um when you translate it out it sounds like Innsmouth but in Spanish. <clears throat> the majority of the film was shot on a handheld camera, so yay. I guess the well, idea... Wow, I am actually impressed then, because they did pretty good in stabilizing that. Yeah, they yeah. did. They did. So there's a scene, I don't remember where, but apparently someone screams, I've got a bigger cell I've got to get a bigger cell phone. Yes, Paul does. It's after he's trying to steal the car and beat the zombie chauffeur off of him, or the fish person chauffeur. Uh Uh-huh. And he says, I've got to get a bigger cell phone? Yep. I guess that scene was motivated by the fact that the writer, Brian Yuzna, was in his car once with his wife, Kathy, and uh, they were stopped by a a gunman, and Paul actually managed to get the gun and start pistol-whipping the guy with it. While his wife got out and started beating him with her cell phone while screaming, I got to get a bigger cell phone. <laughs> she needed the Zach Morris phone. Wow, yeah. uh, I I think that gunman just failed at his job. I know, right? It's like, was he drunk, high, stupid, or nervous? What? Because <laughs> having the gun taken from you and being pistol whipped and having that enough that the wife had enough time to get out of the car, run over, and hit you with her phone, sir. Have you thought about um, working up to carjacking, like? Um, a Salvation Army kettle you might want to try to just walk by with tape yeah. on your hands first. <laughs> Let's work our way up to this. I think you've jumped a little too far into this. Have you thought have you thought that maybe you're just not a good criminal? <laughs> yeah. Like you he was in the car, you were work. standing. How did you get the gun close enough for him to grab it? <laughs> 
And then why didn't you run away, but instead allowed him to pistol whip right. you and for the wife to come then, beat you with her phone? Right. Then you just stood there after he got your gun and waited for him to get out of the car and pistol whip you with your own gun. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Talent. Oh, man. It, but it's it's a fun fact, and that's why it wound up in the movie, which I get. Because if that happened to me, it's like, we got to add this to a movie. I don't know which one, but it's getting added. Absolutely. Dude, if that happened to you, that would be the story you tell at all the cocktail parties. Oh, my gosh, yes. Hey, have I ever told you about the time <laughs> I grabbed a gun out of a guy, gunman's hand and started pistol whipping him while my wife beat him to death with a mobile phone while screaming, I need to get a bigger cell phone? <laughs> And the whole time, the guy was just feebly going, please stop. <laughs> that is definitely a story for the retelling. Um, Raquel, uh, Raquel Moron, Moronio, the, uh, who played Barbara, it turns out she's a big TV star in Spain. And she was asked, you know, what do you think about the scene where you're dangling naked over a pit? And uh, that's a Tuesday. She'd never done... Actually, no. She had never done a nude scene before. So, uh, basically, she had to sum up her bravery. And I mean, she didn't have to do this, of course. She could have been like, nope. But maybe she thought this was going to launch her career. Uh, or her career was in the doldrum. I don't know. Because... Or she just didn't care. And the money was good. You know. It's also Spain. Right, that's what I'm saying. Maybe she was just like, eh, you know, it's not full frontal, so I can manage. <laughs> it's not full frontal, and I'm getting good money, so we're good. I, I presume, because I don't get it. Uh, the last one is uh, the scene in which the mob of Dagon's followers were breaking everything in the church. The director thought that, you know, he couldn't find extras for that. But actually, he was able to find extras easily because the nearby village of. Because um, he went to the satanic cult to find the people to do it. No, it's uh, much more pragmatic than that. The Galicians remembered during the Spanish Civil War how the Republicans burned churches in retaliation for the Vatican's support. So they were more than willing to desecrate a false church because that church was put up by the other side. So for them, it was like, oh, yeah, well, I'll bash that church. I hate those people. It was put in by the jerks. So Spanish Civil War still, I, I don't know exactly, but there's still some bad blood involving that. Well, in Spain, let's be honest. Some of that bad blood lasts a while. Just ask Ireland. Right, exactly. So finding people that would bash up a church put in installed by the other side was not hard at all. If anything, they were like, oh, okay. In fact, they kind of messed up the shot and were like, oh, we have to do it again. To okay. Locals were, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then after they were done, they were like, you need a third take? No, that's good. <laughs> No. Can bad. we get a copy? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see the movie. I just want to see that part. <laughs> so, can we light it on fire and then um pee on the ashes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, before we get into rips and picks and our deep philosophical question of the day, we're, let's uh have a we're going to have a little word from our sponsor, not sponsor editor Rock sort of rage i've been thinking about your offer of joining the cult of dagon really great i've been thinking of joining too well what made you guys change your mind you said we'd be able to go into the sea and enter paradise after listening to ruck's upcoming ep paradise I want to experience that, and the best chance seems to be with Dagon. It sure does. Man, his song was awesome. None of my words ever convinced you guys. How can I get this song? Rock, fill him in. 
getting that song let's get you guys some flippers and gills and head to paradise with this on our playlist honestly guys and we're back honestly guys i uh i was listening to that song right before we recorded and i'm like man that actually sounds pretty darn cool i mean the pirate one is just fun but this one's actually like 80s ish so I will be listening to that today again, perhaps several times because I got an advanced copy so I could, you know, Mr. Rockstar, you've done it again. (laughs) (laughs) So it's that time for our show to do our wonderful rips and picks. Starting with my first rip. Rips and picks. Starting with my first rip, Barbara threw his laptop into the sea. I mean, I mean, first of all, Paul, I, I don't know what's going on with him, but like, y- you just don't throw the guy's laptop in the sea when he's trying. You're sitting there going, you made us all this money. Your company's going to do it. Now here, don't pay attention to the stock just in case it craters and let's enjoy the sea. Um, wh- no. <laughs> well. I have enough problems with him too at that moment and that scene where I'm not enjoying this. I'm sorry, what? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think she was pretty mad at him over that. (laughs) Actually, I was pretty mad at him through most of this movie. I guess he was supposed to be like a Woody Allen character, but he just came off like a wuss. Not only was he wuss, he was just annoying. Yeah. I mean, he's like, None of that's backed up on disc. Or I'm only backed up on disc. Um, wow, Paul. So everything for your company that you've invested in, all of the data, everything you're watching. It is on one laptop. One laptop. I mean, even by then, there were, even if you weren't the servers yet, you had a mainframe. Yeah, mainframe, it, multiple discs, you had backups. Everything is just sitting there on on CDs at some place or DVDs at some place in your office at your house. That that Wait, nope. Paul is not a business genius. Nope. Also, he was watching it live apparently, but not backed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna yeah, be honest. I, this is also we can barely get internet today in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> He, well, well, he wasn't in the middle of the ocean, but still, yeah. How off the coast going? of a Spanish city that's completely... Fishing village? That's, that does not have technology. That's very that's, clear as can be. Remember, so right. somehow you're getting great internet access. In 2001, that, I'm no That doubt. was still okay. back okay. in the day when you had to take the phone cord and stick it into your computer. Yeah. And, and, and let me tell you, <laughs> I am... As someone who travels to Europe quite often, I can assure you, in general, depending on the country, of course, but the Wi-Fi and internet in Europe kind of sucks. Okay? It, it, like, getting Wi-Fi in Europe is, do not assume you're getting it everywhere. Just don't. And in 2001, in a remote fishing village, Nope. Nope. And nope. I'm doubting that he had access to dumb... I mean, maybe he's worth millions. He's rich. But I'm doubting he had a a satellite internet uplink going on there. I was doubting Uh, cell phones were working. Um, Well, not just that, but he's on a little yacht. Yeah. This isn't a big yacht. This isn't even a ship. No, no. A very tiny sailing yacht. My okay. my friend has a boat that kind of was bigger than that. Right, so we're not talking about million. I mean, this is supposed to be a millionaire's boat. And I'm telling you, my friend had a boat that was docked at Whiskey Island that was bigger than that. So, I mean, you're not actually talking about a super yacht there. <laughs> wow, we are really nitpicky now. <laughs> oh, well, well, listen, listen. 
Why is he, got, you know what, why is he waking one. up before sunset? Yes, that's it's a gonna good be a point. beautiful sunset. Why isn't it gonna well, be a beautiful yeah, sunrise? Why did you sleep uh, the afternoon away to wake up before I, before sunset? Maybe he was taking a nap and waiting for the stock market to open in Tokyo. Well, look, because they needed to be waking, they needed to be awake in time for the. Uh, well, you know what? It's Spain. They had a siesta. That's well, not. That's also, the, that is okay. a cultural thing. I'll let that one go. That but, is the, but yeah, that's the other thing. The stock market's closed at that point. You don't need to be watching it live. You're off the coast of Spain. What are they, five hours ahead yep, of us? So they're, it's, yeah. They're closed. It's, what, well, I don't, what, what about this also? Here's an interesting one. Second after hours trading? You had a rainstorm just hit them. Well, that's because of the cult activities, but which the, the rainstorm though, that is an interesting, I don't know if, if this is a rip or a pick, but is it just me or is this the dampest movie we've ever seen? Even more than the abyss. Uh, this one had a constant rainstorm the entire time. Yeah, Get it, and, they're fish people. And the, everything leaked. There was not a dry spot in that whole village. Um, no, there was a dry spot where the homeless man was. Oh, yeah, that's. I actually wrote down a couple rips, and one of them was the sound mixing. I had to put the subtitles on. I could not. I tried to watch this movie for the first 15 minutes or 20 minutes without the subtitles on. I could not hear because the rain sounds that they had in the background, and, and it was... And my hearing is not great, but I could not hear. I was so annoyed at the sound mixing versus the background noises versus the actor's dialogue that I had to watch it with subtitles on to realize what was being said. Well, for a moment there, I, there's, there's another problem. I don't, without the subtitles on, which I also watched with subtitles, I didn't know at what point which language they were speaking because we'll go between Spanish and fish. Fish people. Yes. Cthulhu Flarini. Cthulhu and now, we, now we'll speak in English for a second. And back to Spanish. And now back to English. And now to fish. And now to back to English and fish. Huh? That uh, didn't bug me as much. You know, and, and then the one thing that we try to be authentic to is the is the drunk, who's also the drunk in the Massachusetts town. So an old drunken Irish sailor makes sense in a Massachusetts fishing village. Why do we have an old drunken Irish sailor in a village off the coast of Spain? Well, he's he not Irish. Irish. He wasn't Irish. Wait, I mean, sure, that's how it came across to me. Well, oh, you're a homeless it, guy is a homeless guy. Like it, he, he literally is going at times. Well, there's also the point where He's he's supposed to originally know what the town was, and his mom and dad got sacrificed to it. Yeah. So I, I get it, but but it does beg the question in the in the in the short story. It's explained why he wasn't a member of the cult. In this movie, it wasn't. It was just I am crazy and drunk. Okay. Yeah, also... I, I didn't like, know that was a precursor for not... Jo I didn't know the esoteric order of Dagon had such high standards. Well, not just that, but it's like, you've been here a long time. In the story, he's 96 years old, so... Yeah. I well, mean, I mean, in this one, it looks like he's at least 40s or 50s. It's like, you're telling me from the childhood, you made it through your teens, your 20s, your 30s, and, and did you start drinking right after that your family got sacrificed or what? Hard drinking. Although it does beg the question, where'd you get the booze if everyone became fish people? Pardon me. Go well, the gold. That's oh, yeah. He was able useless. To gold, leave town and come back. Right. Yeah, but no one leaves town. <laughs> right. Which again well, goes back to my entire thing of who cares about the gold? That booze has just gone really bad. Because it's just been sitting around for 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> he, found a, he found a case of it in a cave, and he just has been drinking that forever. 
uh i don't know if this is a rip or just a horrifying thing but like at at, at the end where they're uh cutting off the dude's face i was Ugh. like part of me said what are you doing to santa I'm like Santa, no. (laughs) You know what though? I that is a rip too. Because on one hand, okay, I get it. You need something bloody and horrific, but why do you need to? Why do they need to wear human faces? You're trying to become fish people, wouldn't you? Shouldn't you be wearing like dead fish heads on your head or something? I mean, right. And why was he able to retreat? Human masks. When you're trying to become fish people. Right. And it's not like they're wearing them so they could blend in with society. They wear them in their rituals. So what's the point of that? Right. And anyone shows up, they kill them. Well, not just that, but here's one. During the final sacrifice, she's cutting into to her. But then when she's hanging there, it looks like it's just paint. Paint on. It's like, wow, wow. Someone yeah. will well, fail on that, you know, prop department there but also she's doing all this carving and then she gets pissed off enough to look like she's about to kill her like you were going to sacrifice her alive and now she just said a word and you're like snap yeah what and then paul shows up and she's like oh i'm not gonna finish this i'm just gonna throw over there and let her dangle because we need to see naked boobs and butt Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of the priestess Uxia and Paul, Paul, you're pretty sure that your your fiance, girlfriend, whatever, has just been murdered and flayed alive by these people. Glad to what? see that you're waiting for her to have been deceased for at least a couple of hours before you're making the moves on the the girl that you're dreaming about who eats your face as a hideous fish monster in every dream. Thank you. I was about to get to that was going to be another whip of mine where I'm like, but you're going after the one that you having nightmares about. I'm, okay. really, I'm screaming at the TV. I'm like, and like Sarah's laughing. I'm like, she eats your face in every dream. You know how this ends. What are you doing? And well, and you're pretty sure your girlfriend just died like an hour ago. You scumbag. <laughs> yeah. Also, technically, he backs off once he finds out her legs are tentacles i get well i mean that's i would too for crying out loud but i guess what they should have done there was because show like we are sane people but yes her eyes like her eyes are looking into his and doing a i don't know a hypnotism thing that would be the saving grace it's like you should have done that and how she's using her magic power to seduce him and that, Appar- like, because he's a wuss or whatever, he just falls for it. Because, yeah. Well, apparently her magic p- power is that they're family. Which is a big rip unto itself. Yes. Yes. Um, did you guys notice? I didn't catch this one, but um, Sarah pointed it out to me. Paul's accent and Barbara's accent change throughout the film. And nope. I think that's just bad acting nope. to an extent. I did not catch that. Yeah, at times they're. I, I feel like maybe they maybe they're putting on an American accent, and they're just unlike Chris Hemsworth, inconsistent with it. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I did not notice that. Yeah, I caught it a couple of times. To be Spanish, you know, but yeah, if she glossed it, then it's like, what was the point of that? Right. At times, Barbara is trying. I think trying to sound more um, American. And at times she's she's trying to sound more Spanish, uh, speaking English as a as a second language. And then Paul's accent just seems to he loses it at times. Like like the whole I don't know. I, I just caught some inconsistencies in the delivery and stuff. It kind of just nagged at me. Maybe other people won't catch that, but or maybe I'm just imagining mm-hmm. it. But it I caught that was kind of all over the place. It was a little off for me. I wasn't a big fan of the acting in this okay. in this film. Sure. I also hated the opening credit font. What did you do? Sift <laughs> through and find the most unreadable font and color combination you could? Wow, that's nitpicky. I didn't even, I don't even read that stuff. Uh, you know, I know that's nitpicky, but I'm watching it and I'm like, I want to turn this off now. If this is the opening credit okay. scene, yeah, well, I want to turn this off right now. <laughs> you know, 
You're not wrong because when this movie first started, I had a kind of a thought like, what am I in for? Because I'm watching the credits, opening credits. I'm like, this is crappy. Well, you know, my next question here is we've ripped on this a lot. And Thomas, you said this is the best one. Are there any picks? Uh, I got two. Okay. I okay. love that he failed to hotwire the car because as he's doing it, I'm like, I'm like, that's not gonna come on, man. I, I'm sitting there thinking, man, oh yeah, he just knows how to hotwire a car, huh? Because I know what would happen if I tried to hotwire a car. I you would like the to horn, yourself, yeah, or I set off the horn or the airbag. But um, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't start the car. So I love the fact that he was unsuccessful in hotwiring the car. I also love the fact that when he leapt out of the out of the window and through the glass and he landed, he was hurt. And he was hurt for the rest of the movie. He didn't action hero movie walk it off and after one scene um, forget that he had hurt himself. Now, I didn't pay attention yep. if he was consistent with which leg was hurt and if his limp <laughs> altered throughout the rest of the movie. <laughs> At that point, you're giving up. You but I'm pretty sure it did. Much. I'm pretty sure it did. <laughs> uh, let's put it this way. I didn't notice it switch. So uh, Some of the special effects were, were pretty good. Uh, but then again, not pretty good for 2001. So I would, I'm, uh, the special effects would be pretty good if this was 1987. Well, they did yeah. want it to come out in 1985, but that doesn't do anything for us. So, <laughs> Well, I'm going to say <clears throat> there's also, this isn't, it's not amazing acting, but it's not terrible acting either no it's not horrible it's just not amazing yeah it, it's decent acting especially for a horror film so I'm, I'm like okay they seem to put effort in they did do a lot of nice things I mean they kept the suspense up and did a lot of things like that I'm also going to say there was a nice constant suspense going on yeah, I'll agree. Yeah. It, the movie knows what it wants to be, and it doesn't try to be more than it's, a, it's supposed to be. It's a gory survival horror film about cannibalistic fish people wanting to sacrifice people to their gods. Yeah. It knows what it wants to be. Um, and it doesn't try to go too far beyond that. Um, and, and it's got a plot, and it's paced fairly well. And... Um, I mean, for a horror movie, it, it's a pretty paint-by-numbers survival uh, suspense film. Uh, I hated the binary thing. There are two options. No, there's like six. But if you want to simplify everything down to binary, you can. But um, they kept coming back to that motif. And these are out of options. No, I, that's still an option. You see, you're not out of options. You used your last option. You tried to immolate yourself. So you weren't out of options. You had one. Kill yourself so you don't become the slave to Dagon. Like, the whole binary thing just failed at every level. Now, you're not out of options. You have one option. Also, here's an interesting point I have. And a question. Apparently, he's a child of Dagon. Yeah. But also, then, what was she going to bail? Because, uh, fish. Well, no, it's your children. A fish. That was going to be a fish. I don't know. Well, I'm just asking because literally, there's a line in there where the priestess is talking about you and your children will serve. Well, so I'm so, like, yeah, what's yeah, going on um, here? I thought we were killing her, story, but now we're not. The story kind of, um, well. It's the children he's going to have with Uxia. But um, the, the short story kind of explains that when you are born, uh, you're human until you hit about, as, until you start to get older into like your teens and your 20s and your 30s, you gradually transform into a fish person over time. That's why we see the yeah. kid who's completely normal um, in the one room until he gets the worst swirly ever. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I have so many more rips. Like, he rips off the bed, the bed cover to see what the sheet is, and he goes, no way. But then he just trusts that there's nothing under the chair and just sits on top of the chair cover. Why would you even turn the water on in the sink? 
<laughs> I don't care what water comes out of that sink. I'm not using well, it. I don't want splashback well, from the sink. <laughs> forget that. You got water coming through the roof. You don't even need the sink. True. I I have two picks I want to do. Um, one, I like how the fish people are having trouble getting around on land. Yes. Um, yes. They, love, they, love and that, that. That's in the short story as well, that they neither need walkers or they just huddle around. They can't run. They're, they're clearly fish out of water. Uh, uh, the next one is I like how it ends much like the book. It ends with, they don't defeat the cult. In fact, Paul winds up embracing his destiny, if you will. Um, and that's how it should have been. Well, this I mean, business of them, if like he had defeated the cult, it's like, wow, that would have been the worst ending ever. This isn't well, that kind of story. Yeah, it's the, a Cthulhu story. Cthulhu always wins. Yeah. And, and um, as I said, the, the movie knows what it wants to be. And it, it does, in some ways, it may even be an allegory for the fact that the darker sides of our nature, there's a, there's a battle between the person that we want to be and the darker sides of our nature. And I don't think wait, you like Wait, wait, wait. Is this the deeper meaning? I don't know. I haven't done that in a while. We'll see if it turns no, into that. But in some ways, is there an allegory to where, you know, giving in to what his supposed destiny is because of his father and the sins of his parents and that he will be a child of Dagon and the person he wants to be. And at the end, he's out of options. And his last attempt at that is going to be to self-destroy himself. And he still can't. So at that point, then he's faced with what in his mind is the inevitability of the path that he has to walk and he accepts it. Um, that, that, you know, if you're in a movie that talks about fate, then that's, that's a good ending to, to say that, that, you know, this is a fatalistic world. It is predetermined. And the path that you're supposed to walk, that you're pre preordained to walk, you're going to. Uh, sometimes we get a lot of these movies about fate where people find a way in the end to make the choice they want to make. And then it leaves, well, was that the choice you were fated to make all along? This one just kind of shows that the darker aspects of his nature ultimately went out. And the short story kind of did that too. Because in the end, no matter what he wanted to do, he didn't have the strength to... As he said, his uncle did shoot himself. He was going to go back down to the depths and, and be with Cthulhu. Um, and that cult of Cthulhu is, is all things sin and all things evil and all things desire and gluttony. And, and I don't, is, it, is it making um, a case somewhere that in most cases, human beings, no matter how hard we try to be good, will lose out to our darker instincts in nature? I don't know. It's potentially there, and I think, you know, that goes back to the binary thing that they're saying in the movie. There's two options, good or evil, good or evil. You're either good or you're evil. You're good or you're evil. They're not saying that, but I think in the end, that's, that's there in the binary thing, too. Which side of your nature are you going to embrace? That was Scott's deep meaning. And now that we've gone through the deep meaning, let's go to a simpler topic. Does all horror need to have boobs and blood? We'll just do a quick, quick fire answer on this one. So does, who, need, who wants to go first? Does all horror need to have boobs and blood? Because every time we do a horror month, this comes up. There okay. are boobs and there are blood. I'm going to say no and yes. No, it doesn't need it. It does not need the gore. It doesn't need boobs. But that's a different type of horror. That is normally more psychological horror. Okay. If you're going for a shock factor, there is really nothing much better than boobs and gore for it. Mm, so if yeah. you're going for a horror film that is shocking, then yes. But if you're going for a psychological one, I say you do not need it. All right. So I'm trying Scott. to remember if Alien has an obligatory nudity scene in it somewhere. Uh, does have the oh, running around in panties. Okay, yeah, so it we, doesn't count exactly. And there's not a lot of gore in Alien. Um, 
so the answer is you can do it and you can do it successfully because Alien really is a horror survival story where, you know, the alien is the slasher killer. Um, you know, it's a haunted house on a ship. Uh, I, I, you know, you can also minimize it. I know that Halloween has that scene with, with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis that they mentioned in Scream, but it's very, very minimized. And the gore is, is to a minimal extent. It's nothing like a Friday the 13th movie, which goes over the top with it, or some of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Um, so it depends. What film are you trying to make? I think that the, that the nudity and the sex has become a trope in horror slasher films. Um, and it's, it, it real, and, and not I think, I know it has. It's a trope. And I think it gets tossed in whether it, whether it needs to be in the film artistically or not, because it's expected. Um, and if it's not there, people are going to feel like they didn't see a, a slasher film or a survival horror film of that genre. Um, so I agree with Thomas to that extent. The gore. Um, it can be done without gore. It doesn't need to be there. I think it comes down to, we've talked about this before, that sometimes uh, pyrotechnics and CGI is the cheap way out to tell a story and overwhelm the audience sensors or sensory experience um, by using CGI and explosions. I think that this is kind of the, the excessive gore and nudity and sexualization of the female characters in these horror movies is a easy way out to tell a paint-by-numbers horror tale. If you want to scare people, if you want to mind-bend someone, if you want to, you know, disturb someone, you can do it without peeling off Santa Claus's face in a scene where you've got a woman hanging, uh, shackled to be eaten by a sea monster while she's naked. And, and not eaten by a sea monster, uh, violated by a sea monster. The, and, and, but he eats her as eaten. he rips her off of the... Off of the off of the, the, the hook. Um, you could do this stuff without it. And H.P. Lovecraft did. In almost every single one of his stories, he did it without resorting to that kind of stuff. So the answer is, does it need it? No. The man whose stories have inspired all three of these over-sexualized films did it without that. Routinely. And I think that'd be a good point, that he'd probably be mortified to find out that was happening. Absolutely. He was a very prim and proper wasp. And so he would have, um, yeah, he would have been mortified by that, but he wanted to let's, think. Let's, let's, let's be honest. You'd probably be mortified with the entire world right now, but hey. yeah, probably, probably. But, um, uh, I would say, so, you know, the idea of gore and nudity and horror goes back and Stuart Gordon got his start in that genre. So he's just keeping to form. When you look a lot at a lot of horror today, you don't have that because uh, you have more jump scares or thrillers or things like that, that mess with your mind because you're to a different generation of filmmaker, people who don't believe they're more aware of how especially women are portrayed and uh for better or for worse i'm not going to comment on that except they're more aware that you don't need to show a naked chick being tortured for horror to work whereas the generation that came before if anything it's it's either oppressive or dull to modern audiences Whereas before, if you were trying to do something that wasn't porn, but had these elements, you were forced to go to horror. You couldn't use science fiction. You couldn't use regular films because you wouldn't get, you wouldn't make the rating. So if you wanted to show nudity and blood, horror was your outlet. And if you wanted to make the squares stiffen a little more, this was your outlet. Um, and you probably knew you had a built-in audience that maybe didn't want to go down to the dime theater in the sketchy right. part of town, but uh, wanted to see something a little risque, and they could get it out. No, I'm a horror fan. I'm not well, here to and see a that. Lot of, and a lot of horror, like in this genre, got its start from the grindhouse. Yeah. 
So, but does it need um, to be done today? No. Yeah, no. And we've and we've come around to a point where we can do that without the grindhouse. Where that era of filmmaking is now a um, even the B films don't replicate that because it's a different generation. So, um, so is it necessary? No, it's not. We've seen that played out in things like the ring or the conjuring trilogy or the Annabelle series, or, you know, even Halloween, like you pointed out, Scott, that Halloween with, uh, John Carpenter, even at his time wasn't gory as all get up. So, I mean, even um, phantasm is a scene. In the in the oh, cemetery, and, yeah. and you know later on it jumps the shark with that. You know the, the but the first Phantasm film minimized that. Now later yeah, on one, it became it became a gore fest and a gratuitous nudity fest. But yeah, so but so Stuart Gordon comes from that era, and that's why it shows up. So that brings us finally to the rating. How many fish people are we going to give this film? And I'll get it started. I'll give it a five. It, you know, it's, it's okay. I was able to stay focused and the acting was okay. And the effects were okay. Everything was just, except for the rips we had, everything was just okay. Five. Yeah. I'm going to give it four and a half fish people. It's, it's typical for an eighties slasher film or an 80s survival film, or, you know, an, an 80s horror film, but it was made in 2001. So I kind of expect a little better, uh, but there's nothing that elevates this above average, nothing that elevates it above okay, and, you know, as I've said, it, my scale of five is an average film, uh, and to me, this is slightly below average. Um, I'm, you know, everything we watched for Horror Month last year, I think was, uh, I'm trying to remember the specific names of those, but they were far more entertaining than this, even if they were more gory and gratuitous. Um, but that'll put me on the spot. Where were my rankings last year for those films? But, um, there's better horror movies to watch, but there's also far worse. Um, at, at a four and a half, I feel like I got something that approached average, but didn't quite get there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a four. It, it's not bad. I I don't dislike it. It was interesting. Out of everything we watched so far, I would probably say this is one of the butter ones. But it was boring at times. And it was mixed poorly and eh, I'm, I'm bumping up to 4.5 now it, it was it but it was still disappointing because there was something there and it looked good and then it just kind of eh, dropped off a cliff and eh. the ending was good which we deemed it but meh it's not great all right and now <laughs> of course the next question what boobs do we get to see next week uh well you'll just have to wait and see because uh rage has a couple of ideas here so but you'll like i said just have to wait and see in the meantime you could check out our other shows on raving lunatic media you could go to our discord server and ask what and uh make a suggestion for a cthulhu movie you'd like to see or comment on the ones we've discussed or anything else in the podcast for that matter to join the general chat and get involved in the tomfoolery there uh sometime at the end of this month we'll be getting the caseatorium again so hopefully again haunted elevator case of the chills Layla, i hope you're listening and it's been a little bit of time life has gotten difficult but november 2nd we will be having our next episode of zodiac task force so keep an eye out for that and also for ruck's lovely eps as always you can also give comments at www.theislandofthemanytentacledmermaid.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com. Ragemaster, what is left for them to do? Stay sick, sickies.